When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Share Radio podcast. Hello, I'm Glenn Goodman and it is party time here on Managing My Money. Yahoo! Why is that then, Glenn? Because, Annie, at the end of this episode, we'll be halfway through the Managing My Money course. Which means I'm halfway to getting my Open University certificate showing how financially savvy I am. Well, there's a party going on right here. A celebration, cause we're making you a millionaire. A millionaire? I had to make it rhyme. Good times, we've had laughter too. It's so fun budgeting and saving with you. Come on, honey. High inflation. You learned to deal with that in episode three. I sure did. Graduation. With a fine certificate for your CV. So just listen to the rest of this episode and I'll tell you how to find the quiz questions online, which will help you get your Open University Statement of Participation Certificate. Yeah, I'm well on my way. You certainly are. But if you're out there thinking, I don't need no certificate for my CV, I've already got a PhD in astrophysics from Cambridge. Well, Mr Smarty Pants, you may not need the certificate, but you still need the wisdom that you will gain from managing my money. Because let me tell you, Annie, Mm -hmm. even Einstein went bankrupt. Did he really? Yeah. All his mathsy, physicsy knowledge couldn't help him because he hadn't been listening to managing my money. Albert Einstein went bankrupt. I've never heard that before. Well, I didn't say Albert Einstein, did I? So who are you talking about? Einstein Brothers Bagel Bagel. Who? Einstein Brothers Bagel Bakery chain went bankrupt. Okay, now you've ruined my story. You're happy now? I am happy now. Are we going to do any actual managing of money today? I was literally just getting round to that, actually. Got it. Okay. Now, do you remember how we talked about debt in the last episode? Let's talk about debt, baby. Let's talk about you and me. All right, who's mucking about now? Yeah, sorry, yeah, all right. Yeah, we spoke about debt and interest rates, didn't we? And how interest can compound or snowball to potentially make your debts grow faster and faster. And also how you need to pay attention to real interest rates, which account for inflation. Oh, you are good. You're good. Nothing gets past me, Glenn. Well, debt is such an important topic, because most of us are up to our eyes in it. Mm. Uh, we're going to go even deeper into it this week. Even deeper into debt. Oh, yeah. Okay. Figuratively speaking. Now, when you want to take out a loan, whether it's a mortgage on property or a personal loan, or mm-hmm. if you get a new credit card, I guess you'll have seen the acronym APR banded about. Yeah, I have. It's plastered everywhere. APR, the annual percentage rate, isn't it? Yeah. So the rate of interest that you pay per year on your debt is called the APR. And the reason why that number is so important when you're looking at different loans is because it incorporates all the different charges that often come attached to loans. Mm. So if you just go around comparing the headline rates of interest that banks and building societies would like you to see, then sometimes that can be misleading because you're not taking into account all the extra charges that you have to pay. Okay, so we're back to the sneaky small print again. So I've looked around at some mortgages. I quite want to buy a home, as you 
you may know. And I've seen mortgage arrangement fees as well. Are these the kind of charges that you're talking about here? Yeah, exactly. Let's take a look at some real life examples All right. here on the internet. Oh, clever thing. Oh, yeah. I've been using the internet for quite some time. Wow. Now. I'm a whiz. Are you? An internet <laughs> okay. whiz. Let's have a look. Uh, we have got, for example, here, two year discount special from one major lender. Ooh. It has an initial interest rate of less than 1%. Doesn't that sound fantastic? That does sound good. I'd be up for that. You would until you see the booking fee. Take a look, Annie. Read it and weep. £1,499? That's what, right. For doing what? And that's booking a just... what? <laughs> for booking, for making the booking. Yeah. That's outrageous. But the next one down here, the booking fee's radically different. There's a grand off this one. It's 499 So that's why you need to start thinking about the APR because they have to put down the APR and that takes into account all these fees. So you start off with an interest rate of 0.99%, which looks fantastic. But once you've added in that booking fee of £1,499, the actual APR is 3.5%. So that's 3.5% interest a year, not 1% at all. Mm-hmm. That's clever though, isn't it? Because the first thing you look at on here is the initial interest rate so that's what sucks you in initially so are there any other fees that would have to be included in the apr figure yeah if you're dealing with a broker who looks at all the different mortgages for you and helps you choose one then the broker's fees might be included in the apr and also some mortgages come with so-called tied products like insurance basically products that you're forced to buy with the mortgage so those costs need to be included in the apr as well aren't those illegal wasn't there like a massive scandal about them, these tied-in products? You're thinking of uh, PPI, aren't you? Pay- I am, yes, PPI. Payment protection insurance policies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were supposed to protect people financially. Well, they do, <laughs> in some cases, protect protect people financially if they get ill or if they lose their yeah. job. But uh, typically, when people were taking out mortgages or other loans, uh, they'd have a PPI policy added on, sometimes without them even being aware that they were having it added on, or perhaps they didn't need it and were told that they did need it, or they didn't have to accept it. Yeah, so they were automatically added without them knowing. In some cases, yeah. And they call that mis-selling a product for obvious reasons because yeah. people are being misled. So some people, a lot of people, have got thousands and thousands of pounds in compensation back from the banks after that scandal blew up a few years ago. OK, so it is illegal then? Tied products aren't actually illegal in principle as long as they're sold in a fair and upfront way. So if a mortgage lender says to you upfront, if you want to take out our mortgage, mate, you've got to buy an insurance policy with it too. And you've got no choice. If they say that to you, then obviously you know what you're getting into. You need to factor that cost in and it would appear in the APR for that mortgage. You didn't even try with that one, Ben. APR rhymes with la la la, okay? What do you want from me? I don't know, maybe some lyrics would be good. You ask too much. If it's so easy, why don't you do it then? Alright. What's the APR on the loan for the fancy car? I preferred la la la. Fine, whatever. Now, when I was looking at mortgages, I saw there were various types. A lot of different types of mortgages are out there. Fixed rate mortgage, variable rates, trackers, and so on and on and on. How do you decide which one to get? Well, if you take out a fixed rate loan, then the lender sets the interest rate at the start. And Mm. so it stays at just one level until the fixed term runs out. All right. What are the advantages of that then? 
Well, if you expect the Bank of England to raise the bank base rate in the near future, that's the one that the Bank of England sets and which all other interest rates are kind of loosely based mm-hmm. upon. If you think they're going to raise that rate, then you know that the interest rate on mortgages is probably going to go up a bit as well. So you might want to get a fixed rate mortgage to lock in a relatively low rate for a few years. But aren't those mortgages more expensive, though? Yeah. Basically, that's the... That's, that's your payoff. Exactly. That's the problem. You don't get something for nothing, not in this <laughs> oh, life. Oh, nothing. Oh, no. So you pay a little bit more for your mortgage, or in some cases, a lot more for your mortgage in order to lock in that fixed rate. Whereas if you were getting a rate that wasn't fixed, then you'd probably pay a bit less. It's a gamble. It is. So what are you going to do? The, the thing is, though, if you're really scared about the Bank of England raising interest rates and you think, oh, no, they're going to raise them by lots and lots, mm. then you might be willing to pay. It's like paying an insurance premium, yeah. really, isn't it? Sure. Now, if you're convinced that the Bank of England is going to keep raising rates for many years to come, then you might even want to get a five-year fix or a 10-year fix. There are some usually available. Those come at an even higher APR. So what happens when the fixed term runs out? It's a bit scary, that. It is, because typically you'll switch automatically onto a variable rate for the rest of the term. And variable rates move up and down, usually as the Bank of England base rates move up and down, though you can usually remortgage, which means you can switch to a new loan, perhaps a new fixed term. But once again, there might be fees involved in switching. So a variable rate loan moves in step with a bank base rate, then? Not necessarily. (laughs) Oh, no! I'm sorry, but just to make things even more uncertain, variable rate loans tend to move in line with the base rate. But, for example, if the bank puts interest rates up, they might raise the variable rate, so you're paying more. But then if the Bank of England puts rates down they might be rather slower with bringing your variable rate down. Tricky little fellas. I know. If you want the kind of security where rates move in step with the bank base rate, then you can get a tracker rate loan, which moves up and down directly in line with the base rate. They'll be set at, say, 2% above base rate. So if the base rate goes up by half a percent, your tracker rate goes up by half a percent as well. Blimey. So it's always a gamble, whatever you choose. What else is there? What else is on the market? Cap and collar. I don't want to play your creepy games, Glenn. A capped loan is one where the interest rate can move around with the bank base rate, but only up to a certain level. That's called the cap. So your interest rate will never go above the cap. Okay. Oh, and a collar is uh, where the rate can't go above or below certain levels. So the interest rate can move around between those two levels, but can't go higher than a certain point or lower than a certain point. And you'd usually pay a fee to the lender for these rather unusual types of loan. Anyway, is it just mortgages that come with all these different options? Mainly, yes, because personal loans, which are the kind of smaller loans you take out to buy, say, a car or pay for a wedding, those tend to be fixed rate loans, whereas credit card debt is usually variable rate. So with credit cards, you're at the mercy of the governor of the Bank of England. Exactly. And as we heard in the last episode, he gets quite a kick out of the ups and downs of interest rates. Oh, Let me move your rates up and down Till you say stop Let me play with your money, baby Make you real hot Let me do all the quantitative things you want me to do That was seriously hot. That governor of the Bank of England, he's clearly a very, 
very passionate man. Indeed. Mm. And he has a huge influence over the APR you'd pay on any loan. Huge! But once he's set the base rate, there's still a huge variation between the interest rates that are available on different loans. So how does a lender decide on how much to charge me for a loan then, once they know the bank base rate? Well, that depends on how reliable the lender thinks you are. Oh, dear. (laughs) Yes. If you're getting a personal loan, then they'll ask you, first of all, if you have a mortgage. Yes, we have a mortgage. What was that? That sounds really familiar. It may well do. It's a TV advert for personal loans that was famously banned a few years ago. It was considered too flippant. Yes, people should never be too flippant when discussing personal finance. I wholeheartedly Mm -hmm, agree. mm -hmm. In the ad, the dad is having far too good a time chatting about football with the loan salesman on the phone. He's being all blasé about the personal loan while his wife is having lots of fun filming him with a video camera. They better not cancel football. Who's that? Mike, a picture. I'm sorting out the loan. How much do we want to borrow? Yeah. 25,000. Yeah. Yes, we have a mortgage. See how proud he sounds about having a mortgage? That's so funny. How much do we want to borrow, love? Ridiculous. <laughs> Even though it means he's got a massive debt hanging over him, he's so proud about it. Yes, I do have a mortgage. I've got one I'm tied in for many a year. Debt up to me eyeballs. The funny thing is that, in a way, he's right to be proud because it will help him get a personal loan. Even though he's up to his eyeballs in debt with the mortgage, Mm. it also means he's got something to offer the lender as a backup, i.e. his house. So they call that collateral to secure the personal loan. He might even get a better interest rate on his personal loan because if he doesn't pay it back or defaults on the loan, as the bank would say, then they could simply grab his house instead. Just take it away. Just like that. That's right. Whereas an unsecured loan, which has no asset backing it up, would tend to have a higher interest rate because the lender's taking more of a risk by lending to you because if you default, what are you going to give them? So having collateral then, like a house, means that I'd pay lower APR. Usually. And also you might find that they offer you better APR if you want a bigger personal loan, say £20,000 rather than 5000 So a mortgage is generally cheaper than other types of loan then because they're secured on a property you're buying and you're borrowing a large amount as well. Yeah. Ah. You're really getting down with this shizzle, aren't you? As, well. as kids used to say, but probably don't anymore. Well, they probably don't. So I'm guessing then people with a history of not paying back loans on time and don't have any collateral are going to be offered pretty expensive APRs. Yeah, especially if they want to borrow short term, like with so-called payday loans, Mm. where you may only borrow money for 30 days. The government clamped down on the interest rates that some people were being charged. They had ridiculous, weren't they? Ridiculous APRs, like tiny little letters on the screen as well. How's 6,000% sound to you? 6,000! That is shocking. Well, that's what some payday lenders were charging before the government clamped down. So those of us in society then who really need a loan most desperately will get completely ripped off. That's awful. People can try going to credit unions, though, which tend to give much better rates on loans to people who are on low incomes. Hmm. I am an economist as people apply for loans, their applications are sometimes turned down because of a poor credit score. These scores are calculated by computer programmes based on a person's savings and on their borrowing history and a variety of other factors. Even if you've never been late paying off debts, you may still find yourself with a bad credit score and get turned down for loans. But why? Why? 
we decided to ask one of these credit scoring computers. Computer says no. Computer says no. Computer says no. Why does computer say no? Computer likes stability and orderliness in human financial affairs. Computer likes humans with regular professional employment who do not move house too often. Computer likes mature humans who have hatched fewer humans born as these younger humans constitute a financial burden. Divorced and separated humans may be considered a greater credit risk. A credit score may be improved by ownership of credit cards and bank accounts, as these can demonstrate a long history of sound credit management. Humans are irrational. Humans are impetuous. Humans are unpredictable. These factors confuse computer. That is why computer says no. But if you've got a decent credit score, there are so many companies and organisations willing to lend you money that the choice can be utterly bewildering. I'm utterly bewildered. And well, you might be. Mm. Here's John Quill Lowe from The Open University with a rundown of the main types of lender that you may come across. The financial services industry is dominated by banks. They include the major high street names such as Barclays, Lloyds Banking Group, HSBC, the Royal Bank of Scotland and Banco Santander. Building societies are different. They're mutual organisations owned by their customers. But let's not forget other types of lenders. Finance companies are, in many cases, subsidiaries of banks and building societies. They specialise in personal loans and motor and retail finance, the kind of in-store loans you might use to buy a sofa or washing machine. Credit unions are cooperative organisations, often small and run on a localised basis. They can be community-based, with members tending to come from low-income groups. So does that cover all the types of lending I'll come across then? Almost. But not quite. That's right. You just (laughs) told your horses there, Annie. We haven't mentioned overdrafts. Oh, overdrafts. So when you open a bank current account, they might let you go into the red, basically run down your balance until it's negative. Mm. But they'll usually put a limit on how far into an overdraft you can go, usually in the hundreds rather than the thousands of pounds, unless they think you're a really good risk, in which case they might let you run up thousands of pounds of debt. And if you spend beyond the point that they've told you you can spend up to, then you're into unauthorised overdraft territory. Do you know what happens there? Take a guess. They whack you with a massive fee. Yes, with a massive, massive fee mallet <laughs> over your head. Take that for going way over your overdraft, you naughty person. Yeah, high interest, fees to pay. I don't like fees to pay. No one likes fees to pay. No. No one. We'll be back after this short musical break. No, I know you might think it is funny that I sing while I manage my money, but the better I manage my money, the more it makes me want to sing. Do you want to hear about the future of lending? Si, senor. Here's Share Radio's Georgie Frost with the lowdown on peer-to-peer lending. In the internet age, we've been busy chucking out the middlemen, 
eBay allowed buyers and sellers to deal directly with each other without the need for physical shops. New bands can upload their music to music streaming services like Spotify to get seen, heard and even paid a bit without needing to deal with a record company. And now the banks are under threat. Peer-to-peer lending allows people to offer unsecured personal loans to each other. Platforms like Zopa and Ratesetter match up the lenders and the borrowers because, after all, what banks do is borrow money from individuals and companies and then lend that money out again. Peer-to-peer cuts the lending institution out of the equation. It's still quite a small part of the lending market, but it's growing fast. I don't know anything about peer-to-peer. I really don't. I'm peer-to-peerless. So you want to know about peer-to-peer? Yep. Like Georgie said, all you're doing there is cutting out the middleman. It's great in that respect. Or at least there haven't been any financial scandals involving it yet. No doubt they're there to come in a few years. But at the moment, peer-to-peer looks pretty good because okay. what it means is it's like a platform on the internet which matches up buyers and sellers and allows people to lend money effectively directly to each other. So it's like if I've got a hundred grand that I don't know what to do with, I could lend it out at 7% to some guy who the platform has decided is a good credit risk. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah! I like that. You get it? I like that a lot. Exactly. So you don't have to worry about those banks in the middle. Ugh, get them out. You don't have to pay those bankers their big fees. There's no more champagne for the bankers, Annie. (laughs) Not when peer-to-peer's involved. No way. I'm liking the sound of peer-to-peer. But, you know, say a massive recession comes along and all those people who've been borrowing money suddenly start defaulting on a big scale, then a lot of those people might find that they're not getting their money paid back to them and then everybody will say, oh, piss-piss, rubbish. Mm, It's always a gamble. Everything's a gamble when you're borrowing money. That's right. It's Financial Style. Financial Style. So, Ali, let's imagine that you've got a really big spending decision to make. Let's say that you really love your boyfriend, (laughs) hypothetically, (laughs) that you love him and you want to buy him a really cool hot rod. A hot rod? What's a hot rod, anyway? I know the term. I know, so do I, actually. I don't know. I think think it's some kind of vehicle, something real men would drive, I think, so I wouldn't really know. Okay, so you want to get the hot rod. Should you use your savings? Say you've got enough savings for a hot rod. Or should you take out a loan? What would you do? Well, given what we've just been talking about and the APR and the hidden costs, if I've got the money in the bank, then maybe I would use that. There are certainly lots of good reasons why you might use your savings instead of taking out a loan. For example, the rate of interest that you would earn on your savings is probably a fair bit less than the rate that you'd be paying on the loan. Mm. So you're better off using the savings in pure sort of monetary terms. And also you'd be taxed on the savings interest anyway, so you'd lose some extra money there. So yeah, good reasons to use your savings rather than taking out a loan. But... Oh, there's a but, is there? Of course. What about emergencies? What about all those terrible things that can happen to you oh, that Glenn! we've talked about? <laughs> do you remember uh, things don't only get better and they can get I worse too? I do remember that, yeah. That was a classic song from the previous episode oh. of me. Emergencies, the fun to dip into if things go wrong. So exactly. If I lose my job, if there's yeah. an illness, mm. yada, yada, yada. You might fall over, break your leg. You might fall over on the way to turning off the TV and oh, smack your head on the corner. Oh, God, I get the picture. Yeah. Three. Oh, well, look, maybe I should take a loan out then. 
<laughs> that's that's kind of where I'm directing you. I here, can isn't see it? that. I can see you pushing me down the loan road. All right. So let's say we're doing a loan. Take the loan Ooh. out, but then tragically you find yourself broke, destitute, and unable to pay your debt. Oh, Glenn. Do you want some tips? Yes, I need some tips. <laughs> the Open University personal finance tutors did a little poll of themselves. Thank and goodness. they say that the best tips uh, in that situation are work out a realistic budget that covers all your income and spending. Don't panic and don't ignore the problem. Right. Deal with it. You need to decide which debts take priority and deal with them in priority order. Mm hmm. And you need to contact those to whom you owe money. Oh, no. Hello, Mr. Hot Rod. <laughs> exactly. So you need to phone up those people. You need to apologise, explain the situation. So what, you ring them up, you'd speak to them and then just discuss the situation. They may be able to come up with an alternative payment plan. Exactly. Because kinder. those people don't want you just giving them nothing. They'd rather have something than nothing. So they yeah. might be able to do something nice and kind for you. Yes. Mm -hmm. People are reasonable. People should talk more. Exactly. Give them a call. Reach out, Annie. It's scary, though. Reach out and touch somebody's hand. And you'll find that they touch you back. I might just ring them. So what have you learnt this episode then, Annie? I have learnt that there are a magnificent amount of loans on the market, especially when it comes to mortgages and there are lots of different rates. The APR is not all that in a bag of chips. There are other fees as well on top of that. So you need to be mindful of what you're paying back. Do you now understand fixed rate, variable rate and tracker? I think so. Good. Yeah. If you've been listening to Managing My Money up to this point, it's now time once again to go online and take that quiz for episodes seven and eight. And if you answer the quiz questions, you are well on your way to getting that Open University Statement of Participation certificate at the end of the course. Exactly. And won't you be happy when that happens? Really happy. Might frame it. It will be your financial Oscar, something to be proud of. So thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Managing My Money. We are now officially halfway through the course. Amazing. We've done it. We've done it nearly halfway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a great face you just pulled. Shame nobody could see it.